The road we're on is paved in Garth. Come along on the journey. As we explore Garthology. Think of it more as a conversation. I like that. So if this is truly a conversation, then I say let the conversation begin. Hey guys, it's Deb. I'm Pete. And I'm Jess. Welcome back to another episode of Garthology. We're so happy you're listening with us today. This week, we're going to be discussing Garth's Country Classics cover album from the Blame It All on My Roots box set. The full title is actually Blame It All on My Roots, Five Decades of Influences, and that's what it is. It's Garth covering songs that influenced him throughout his life and career. The eight-disc box set was released November 28, 2013 on Garth's label Pearl Records, and it's certified four times platinum here in the U.S. The set includes four CDs of musical influence covers divided up by genre, so we have country classics, blue-eyed soul, classic rock, and melting pot, as well as a DVD of Garth's live show at The Win in Las Vegas, which we've talked about before here on Garthology, and also it includes a two-CD set called The Ultimate Hits. Um, those are Garth's greatest hits, and it's accompanied by a DVD of 33 corresponding videos, and we've also mentioned that before in the podcast. You also get a really cool book of pictures and blurbs about the songs that he chose. So if you didn't get this when it first came out, I highly recommend tracking down a copy if you can. It is available new and used on Amazon, but the new copies are limited and pricey. So each cover album includes 11 tracks, and we're going to kick off this discussion of country classics by passing it over to Pete for song number one. Yep, yep. Song number one off of this album is Great Balls of Fire. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain Too much love drives a man insane You broke my will, but what a thrill Goodness gracious, great balls of fire I laughed at love cause I thought it was funny Great Balls of Fire was written by Otis Blackwell and Jack Hammer and it was originally released by Jerry Lee Lewis. I absolutely love this song because they play it in the Best movie of all time, Top Gun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would have never, ever, ever known the words of this song until Top Gun. And then Top Gun, I know the song, I listen to it, and you know, you hear them playing in the bar down in Miramar, and you hear different versions of the song. Garth's version is a pretty, pretty fun, pretty upbeat song. I have a lot of fun listening to it, but I gotta be honest with you, I never, ever compared this song to a country classic song. I never even once considered it country genre so i was surprised to see it on that album but yeah great song and of course the best movie ever comes in <laughs> well i love this song but i loved it as the original the one that jerry lee lewis put out and what introduced me to that song was the movie great balls of fire which was about jerry lee lewis's life it starred winona Ryder, and i was a big winona Ryder fan and still am, but then I really, I really watched everything she did. And so I loved that movie and I love this song in that movie. And then when Garth put it out, it just was like cherry on top for me because this song on this album ties for me as my favorite song on this album. So that's my input on that one. Well, I love both of those movies. So. I agree with both of you on those. All I could think about when I was listening to this song was how much fun it is and 
how much of a blast it would be to see it performed live now and see Garth have so much fun with it and see Steve Cox and Dave Gant just tickling the ivories and having so much fun because there's all that great piano in this song. So really, that's that's all I was picturing the whole time was how great it would be at a live show. I think yeah. they should do a cover cover album show just, you know, for all of our entertainment. Oh, I vote for that, that too. Good. Do we get to we, take votes? Because yeah, I'm in for that. that. That'd be great. Right? There's so many songs. We will have to whittle them down. Should I take a vote? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So the, that uh, that wraps it up for song number one. We'll pass it over to Deb for song number two. I have song number two, and that is After the Fire is Gone. Each time we say is the last But we keep hanging on And there's nothing Call his ass chair After the fire is gone After the Fire is Gone was written by L.E. White and it was originally recorded by country legends Loretta Lynn, and Conway Twitty. So this song goes back, and this reminds me of listening to old country songs with my dad because Loretta Lynn and Conway Twitty were big country stars when he was listening to country music. He loved them, so I got to hear them a lot. I got to hear Patsy Cline. I've mentioned that before. And so this really reminds me of listening to those songs with my dad. And I have to say, the original is always going to be a classic, but this, the vocals on this recording of Garth and Trisha, Trisha's vocals are spot on. Like the harmonies of them together. I mean, we could talk about their harmonies, obviously, all the time. But this is, yes, Jess is showing me her literally notes. literally say those thing. harmonies, though. Right? Yeah. The <laughs> harmonies. God bless Loretta Lynn and Conway Twitty, but oh my gosh, Garth and Trisha. Yeah. I love it. Love it. And then just a note about the song. This is a forlorn, like cheating song. Oh, it hurts my soul, but they're so good at it that I have to love it. They really are. Yes. This song is, I wrote country with a capital C. Yeah, country. It this is, is like everything country. that a good country song is. Yes, and they both have that twang going in their singing style. I loved it. Yeah, it's a great song. I, when I was doing the research on it and listening to the album, it's weird because you listen to the Garth and Trisha version of it, and then you go back I, uh, on a lot of these. I went back and listened to the original singers, and it is very, very old country and. Uh, much newer, I guess, sound to it, but it's different. Like you talked, we talked about before vinyl and the difference between vinyl and, and what's recorded now. And you could tell the difference between the music back then, but the vocals and the twang and, and the way that they hit it. But it's funny you say grandpa because, or your dad, grandpa, because that listening to it, like that's the kind of music that I could picture him listening to back in the day when it was originally released. So it's cool to be able to hear a song like this by Garth and Trisha and, and get it today. Pretty cool. Yep, he did. He loves those songs. Still today, he listens to those. So now we're going to go over to Jess for number three. Song number three is Act Naturally. They're going to put me in the movie. They're going to make a big star out of me. We'll make a film about a man that's sad and lonely. And all I got to do is 
This song was written by Johnny Russell and Vonnie Morrison. And just a little bit of information about Johnny Russell. He actually introduced Garth for the first time on the Opry stage and then later inducted him into the Grand Ole Opry. And when he passed away, Garth was actually a pallbearer at his funeral. So I thought that that was, yeah, I loved that he had a connection to the songwriter in this. And then Vonnie Morrison, Johnny Russell actually gave her a writing credit just because she submitted it to Buck Owens because she was like, I think this song would be perfect for Buck Owens and I can get him to do it. And she did. And so he gave her a writing credit, even though she didn't write the song. He wrote it all by himself. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. So this was a Buck Owens song. It was his first number one, actually, in 1963. And he didn't like the song when they pitched it to him. But someone in his band did, and it kind of grew on him over time. So I thought that was funny that it ended up being his first number one song, kind of reluctantly. It was also recorded by Loretta Lynn and Dwight Yoakam. But the best known alternative version of the song was actually recorded by the Beatles. And I feel like I kind of know the Beatles. I mean, I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but I know their stuff. But I didn't know that they, I consider this a country song. I didn't know that the Beatles did this, but they released it in 1965 um, with Ringo Starr doing lead vocals on it. And then later in 1989, he and Buck Owens did a duet of of the song. And I had no idea. The original Buck Owens version is the only version that I've ever heard. But it just reminds me of growing up with my dad. He played guitar and sang. So I was always surrounded by this great old country music. And that's what this song reminds me of is just that time and those kind of songs. So where it reminds you of your dad and your grandpa, this song reminds me of, of my dad and the music that he liked to listen to. And Garth says he owes his career to Buck Owens, so it's fitting that he chose to include this song on his Country Classics album. I didn't know those stories about the Beatles recording it and then the duet. That's amazing. I didn't know that. The The story that I have about this song is actually quite funny. For my girls, as I've said in the past, I have three daughters. And for them, this is the, <laughs> the Garth Brooks song that they know better than all other Garth Brooks songs. Which, how unusual is that? But there's a reason behind that. The reason they know it is on my Apple playlist on Apple. I usually use Amazon, but sometimes I use my Apple playlist. And when it starts up, like when we get in the car and my phone's connected and it starts up on Apple Music, it starts in alphabetical order. And this is the first song. (laughs) And when it comes on, I automatically leave it on. So now even my 16-year-old Natalie, when this song starts playing, she starts singing it. And it, she even says this is the only Garth Brooks song she knows. So that's my story with this song. That's funny. It's so funny that you mentioned Dwight Yoakam, because listening to the song, I could picture Dwight Yoakam, blue denim shirt, white Wrangler jeans, and his, and his sing, just standing up or sitting on a, on a stool singing the song. Ed. I could totally see that. All right. So we're going to take it to Pete with song number four. Yeah, song number four is Tonight the Bottle Let Me Down. Couldn't drink enough to keep you off my mind. Tonight the bottle let me down. And let your memory The song Tonight, The Bottle Let Me Down, was written and released by Merle Haggard. This song is straight down the middle, Haggard and Jones. You know, you could hang your hat on Haggard. The lyrics, a guy can't get a woman off of his mind, so he drinks to make the memories of her go away. One night, I guess there wasn't enough booze in the bottle, and it let him down. 
and he just kept thinking about her and thinking about her. And when you listen to Garth on the box set, the live show at the Wynn, talk about Haggard and Haggard lyrics, this song is straight down Haggard Lane. I mean, it is all about Haggard. It's a, a, a great song that has a lot of meaning behind it. And when you listen to the lyrics of Tonight the Bottle Let Me Down, about how the memories just keep coming back into his mind while he's trying to get rid of them. You know, the more he would drink, didn't happen, didn't get away from it. Uh, it's a pretty cool song. It wasn't a, a Haggard song that I really knew the lyrics to until I really started listening to it, but it's a catchy one. For the last week, I've listened to this CD over and over again, the lyrics and, and doing research. I almost know the song word for word. It is a great <laughs> song. It was one I just kept going back to. I knew what songs I was going to have to obviously research and talk about, I just kept going back to that one, back to that one, back to that one. Tonight I was bringing my mother-in-law home. I had to go pick her up from a job site she was doing. And the song came on and I turned it up and she said, well, who's this? And I said, it's Garth. And she goes, I don't remember Garth singing this song. She grew up in you know, Minnesota out in the country. And I was like, well, Garth didn't. He did a cover of it. And we're talking about it tonight on the podcast. And I, so I'm listening to it. And she goes, well, who originally did it? And I was like, well, Haggard did it. And I knew Haggard had done it because of the research I had done. She didn't believe me that he had originally done it, but it was funny. She knew the lyrics of it, and I was like, man, she is getting old, but I'm not going to tell her that. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't listen. <laughs> well, I thought the exact same thing. What I had down was these are definitely haggard lyrics. Like, there's no doubt that was the very first thing that came to my mind is this is a haggard song through and through. And I have to say, you know, Garth, I'm sure like he's done on all of his albums and like I mentioned in our last podcast, He's very thoughtful about the songs that he puts on his albums and the order that he puts them in. And so looking at an album like this, I kind of wonder, well, why did this song make it? And there's other country classics that are more well known that he didn't do. So that's an interesting concept to me when looking at this album. But I love that he put this Merle Haggard song on because it's a perfect Haggard song. And it's perfect for Garth's voice. I think his voice is spot on in this song. Yeah, it is a good fit for him. And I wasn't familiar with the song at all. Um, but it is a again, it's a very traditional country sound, and it was it was a really great fit for Garth. And obviously for the record, he like you said, he has a spot for everything that he wants on there. And to make it whole, I think for him to feel like the album's whole, every place has to be filled and and this was a good song. Yeah. Real cool. All right. So that is it for song number four. We will pass it over to Deb for song number five. Yes, I have song number five, and it is Amos Moses. You call me Amos. Now Amos Moses was a Cajun. He lived by himself in the swamp. Hundred alligator for a living. Amos Moses was written and recorded by Jerry Reed, and this song to me is so funny. So it's about a one-armed alligator poacher named Amos Moses, and I love the beat of the music. I think that Garth is having a fantastic time when he recorded it. You can really hear it in his voice, like he sounds like he's just really enjoying it. But like I kind of mentioned just a minute ago, he had all these songs to choose from, all these country classics, and this song, it just doesn't do it for me. Like, if I had to pick 
my least favorite song on this album, I'd have to say this is it. I just, I love the music. I love the beat, but the subject matter of the song just really throws me. (laughs) So what did you guys think about it? I'd never heard this song before, but I thought it was totally entertaining. It really made me think that Garth must have been like the best bedtime storyteller ever to his kids because (laughs) it was like a story with like, like I could just see him doing like the funny voices and just having the best time with it because that's what I felt like the song was. It's just like a silly story. But yeah, it was an interesting choice to go on an album though, but but I enjoyed hearing it. It's probably not going to go on my playlist, but <laughs> but I did enjoy like learning something that I had never heard before. It's not necessarily a song I would put on my playlist either, but because Garth's singing it, it's got to be okay with me, right? Anything that Garth <laughs> yeah. does is okay with me. Uh, in, in order for me to, to get myself through the song a couple of different times, I had to start thinking about Garth on stage running around and throwing his arms up like he does or tossing <laughs> water bottles or doing something to to really get himself into the groove of the upbeat, fun tempo of the song, I guess you could say. And then doing it that way, uh, I was able to to get through it and listen to it. I thought that he did a great job. I did not go back and listen to the original version of the song, but listening to it from Garth, it seemed like he probably had a lot of fun in the studio recording it. And if it was fun enough for him and if there was something behind the story or behind the song that maybe we're missing on why it got a spot on the album, all the power to him. If Garth did it, it's okay with me. <laughs> yeah, maybe someday we'll know the story behind some of these songs. That'd be great. Like we can we can kind of guess at the Merrill Haggard songs and but this one I'd be I would just love to know what made him choose some of the songs that are on this album. Yeah, would you lose a bet, Garth? <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? Okay, so that's it for number five. Now we're going to go to Jess for song number six. Song number six is Fishing in the Dark. You and me going fishing in the dark, flying on our backs and counting the stars with a cool brass parole. This song was written by Wendy Waldman and Jim Fotoglo. I'm probably butchering that, and I apologize if I am. Um, The original version of this song was by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, and it was released in June of 1987. Garth actually went and saw the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band with some college friends, and they pulled all their money together to get tickets and got a little bit extra together to pay one of the friends to sleep overnight and get good seats, and they ended up with front row seats. And during the show, John McEwen jumped over the monitor and off the stage and into the front and was like between Garth and his friend and was playing this fiddle solo and never missed a beat. And Garth says that is like imprinted on his soul that moment, which I think is a pretty cool reason to love a song. But I honestly am ecstatic to have this song because I love it. I was six years old when this song was released and I grew up loving it. Loved it from the first time I heard it. My parents loved it. And we spent a lot of time camping and fishing on the Cimarron River here in Oklahoma. It's just a memory of something we did every summer growing up. And my parents actually spent their honeymoon doing just that. And so this song and that time period specifically is just, it all ties together. And 
And I, I think I've used nostalgia a million times, but so much of Garth's music has been with me for so long that it is wrapped up in, in nostalgia from early parts of my life. And this is one that no matter what's happening when it comes on, it just makes me happy and I sing with it and I love this whole song. When Garth put it on the Lost Sessions, I was over the moon because the fact that he picked a song that I love so much, I felt like validated in my music choices that I was like, yes, like Garth loves music that I love. So yeah, exactly. It was obviously just for me. Um, And I also love that he didn't change it, that he just, this is, it's a very clean version. He just sang it as it was. He, you know, it's Garth for sure, but he didn't come in and try to embellish it. He just sang a song that he loved and it's just his version of a song that he already loved. And I like that. Surely you guys know this song, right? You already knew the oh, song. Yeah. You love this oh, song. Yeah, I okay. love this song. I knew the original. I was like a teenager, so I knew the original. But this recording is to me even better. Like I loved the original, but this song, it is, you know, I mentioned earlier that I had a I had two songs that kind of tied for the top for me on this song, and this is the other one. This song is fantastic. I think he's great at it. I love the beat. I love the music. I love the lyrics. There is not one thing I could critique on this. I, th- it's just the perfect song. I love it. I agree. Yeah, I got to be honest. I didn't know that it was a cover song for Garth. I thought it came out on the Lost Sessions and it was his song and until I saw it on this album. And I was like, oh, that's right. It wasn't originally his. But <laughs> I remember the other day I was going into work and it was the last song that was on in the truck. I go walking across the street. One of the guys comes up. You and me going fishing. And he looks at me like, what are you doing? I, it's one of those songs that gets in your mind and it stays with you for a long time. Just a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It's a real good song. Yes. That's a great song. It really is. All right. So we will kick it over to song number seven, uh, which is Pete. Yep. Song number seven is Unwound. Around my finger just come unwound. house and tonight I'm a whiskey man yeah I'm gonna be the drunkest fool in town that woman that had wrapped round my finger just come unwound Unwound was written by Dean Dillon and Frank Dykus released by none other than George Strait Garth talks about this song on the Win DVD special, and he actually sings a little bit of it. I didn't know a lick of a lyric from this song until that DVD special comes out. And when Garth starts singing it there, it really caught my ear. And I was like, holy moly. And he had said that that was one of the songs, you know, when he tells the story about knowing at that point that he wanted to be George Strait when he grew up. And he does a couple of the quick opening lines to some of the George Strait songs. This is one of many of them that it just caught my ear. So when we were going through and deciding to do this album, getting to listen to Garth do this song over and over and over again this past week was really, really cool. You know, it's about a man in love with a woman again. It all comes unwound from his drinking. And different ways you could look at the story, obviously, but really cool lyrics. And when you go back and listen to George Strait's version of it, and then you listen to Garth, you could picture both of them on the stage in that famous George Strait pose, strumming a guitar, just singing it. And it is a really, really cool, real fun song. And I don't know that there's anybody else out there that can 
take a George Strait song and do it almost as good as George Strait can other than Garth. I mean, Garth does such a great job with all the George Strait music when he talks about him and sings about him. I just, I think, I would imagine that this this was one that made George Strait happy uh, watching Garth do it. I thought it was a great song, great cover. This is another great one, too, where he did an awesome version, but he didn't change it too much. Like, I like that because I like the original song. So I like that he just sang the song and didn't, you know, make it something completely different. Yeah, I knew the original also a little bit. I was young, but I kind of knew it. But Garth is what really introduced me to it. I was, I know George Strait is huge. He just wasn't someone that was on my radar. And so for me, Garth's version is the one that I really know. And it's a great song. I think it's fantastic. I like the lyrics. I like the music. Yeah, so it's a really, really good song. And the the music to me in this one, I compared the two. I listened to the George Strait a few times and compared it to Garth's version. And I actually like the music in Garth's version better. It seems to be just a little bit faster. And I just dance a little bit more to it. So yeah, I really, this one I enjoy even more than the original. Yeah, great song. So that will wrap it up for song number seven. We will pass it over to Deb for song number eight. Yes, I do have song number eight, and it is Good Old Boys Like Me. Those Williams boys, they still mean a lot to me. Ain't Tennessee. We're all gonna be what we're gonna be So what do you do with good old boys like me? The song Good Old Boys Like Me was written by Bob McDeal and recorded by Don Williams. And in listening to this cover, the first thing I thought of is Garth's voice sounds a lot deeper than normal on this song in particular. I'm not sure why. The more I listen to it, the more I thought it's so much deeper. So the next time you listen to it, listen for that and see if you hear it as well. This song, to me, it sounds a little more upbeat. The original Don Williams version is a little bit slower. So I do like the music in this one better. And I like the lyric in there where it talks about these Williams boys still mean a lot to me, Hank and Tennessee. So Hank Williams, Tennessee Williams. And the man that recorded this was Don Williams. So in my head now, I picture when Garth was singing this, that in his head, even though he's saying Hank and Tennessee, he probably adds Don into that list as well. I could see him singing this song like when he was first starting out and doing those clubs in Oklahoma, I could see that this was definitely a song that he would have done back then. I could see that. I hadn't heard the song in years and I never really knew it, like word for word knew it, but I I had heard it. But I've listened to it over and over, kind of like Pete was saying with the other song, when I started listening to it for research, then I just kept coming back to this song for some reason and playing it over and over. And I love the line that says, I can still hear the soft Southern winds and the live oak trees. And not because the lyrics in that particular part say anything especially amazing, but I just love the way the music and the melody is in that particular line. And uh, I just have to thank Garth for reintroducing me to a song that I would have forgotten about and probably never listened to again. And now I love it. And I keep going back to it and I've listened to it a million times this week. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I know that this is a cowboy, a classic cowboy country cover uh, album. 
But I'd have to say out of all of them, that is the, in my opinion, most cowboy song off of that album. I think it's a, a great song. Like you said, the lyric, I mean, at any point in that song, a different lyric could take you from where you're at and put you into that specific spot that it talks about. Yeah, it's a, a, one of my favorites on the album for sure. All righty. So now we're going to go over to Jess for song number nine. All right. Song number nine is White Lightning. This song was written by J.P. Richardson, a.k.a. The Big Bopper, which I never would have guessed in a million years. I've known this song my whole life, and I never knew who wrote it, and I would never think that The Big Bopper would write anything even remotely country, but he did. And of course, The Big Bopper famously passed away in the tragic plane crash with Buddy Holly and Richie Valens, and um, nearly claim the life of Waylon Jennings if he hadn't given up his seat because the Big Bopper had the flu and didn't want to ride the bus. And so we lost those guys in that plane crash. But what I didn't know about that was that it was George Jones who made the song famous. And it was actually released February 9th of 1959, which was six days after that plane crash when they lost those guys. So that song went and became the hit that it was like immediately posthumous for the Big Bopper. And I know he had other hits, but still, that was just such a a crazy thing timing wise. But the song went on to be number one on Billboard's Hot Country and Western charts. And like I said before, I grew up with my dad playing music and this is a song he played a lot and my siblings and I loved it. And you can it's almost like the Amos Moses, like you can really embellish it and make it more. or You can just sing it straight up. And so, you know, it can be a lot of fun and it's a fun beat anyway, but it's just it's a fun song. And it's, of course. A, a story about a man telling the story of his grandfather's moonshine still, which is just going to be a funny story regardless, I think. <laughs> but it reminded Garth, he said, of his childhood as well, because it reminded him of the smell of his dad's workroom at home and the sound of the AM radio and the record player playing George Jones. And he said that this is the first George Jones song that he remembers hearing and that his tribute combines the George Jones version and another version that he remembered called Root Beer. I have no idea what that's about, but apparently the the combination of the two is what his version ended up being. But I just I love this song, so I really enjoyed listening to it again after all these years. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Great Balls of Fire on this same album. Like those two songs kind of fit the same genre and written, you know, right around the same time and the same group of people. So I like it too. I like it a lot. But the thing that I can't help but laugh about is the sounds that Garth makes in the song. <laughs> you know, he does like pews and <laughs> like weird sound White effects. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's part of why it's so fun. Like yeah. you can imagine why kids loved the song. We loved it growing up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because you could really, really put, like you said, you could really embellish that a lot. Mm-hmm. So that just makes me laugh about that song. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. It's fun, upbeat again. You know, we talked about that. But again, it just takes me back. Like, okay, Garth obviously sang it. He had to have recorded it in the studio. And to think about the moves and the things that he was doing with his hands or whatever to get himself that far into that song while recording it. 
ought to be a fly on the wall. That'd have been fun. Right. We're gonna need some footage. You mentioned the you mentioned the moonshine. Mm-hmm. There was a TV show Moonshiners, and I was watching it years ago, and it was on. And it's funny, it, it wasn't Garth's version, but I, maybe the original version. I remember hearing it, so when I had went through and did some research, and I heard it, it took me right back to that Moonshine TV show, which, by the way, is great. I don't know, I don't know how they have a public TV show of illegal moonshine and not get caught, but whatever. It's great TV. Right, it makes for good television. That's all that matters. All right, so we're gonna take it over to song number ten, um, and Pete has that one. Yep, I do. Song number 10 is Don't Close Your Eyes. Don't close your eyes. Let it be me. Don't pretend it's him in some fantasy. Darling, just once that yesterday gone, you find more love than you've ever just hold me tight when you love me tonight. Don't close your eyes. Don't Close Your Eyes was written by Bob McDill and released by Keith Whitley. First off, let's give a round of applause to Keith Whitley's hair. I was doing some research and saw some videos of this guy's. It was... The greatest head of hair possibly in all of music at that time. The song to me, it's it's a pretty sad song. I, from what I get from it, and I think you know, it's probably pretty much what it is and what it speaks for with the lyrics about a guy who obviously is in love with a woman who worries that that woman is in love with another man, and that you know she closes her eyes, her memory will drift off to her with that man in the arms of this man, and that's why he doesn't want her to close the arms. It is a great song. It wasn't a song I was very familiar with at all. I'll, I'll be honest with you. But I would have to say after listening to the album, after we talked about it, listening to it, and then after a little while, we decided what the order of how we were going to do the research and the, the recap on the songs, I lucked out. I hit the grand slam. I wanted one, four, seven, and ten. And it all worked out great because the <laughs> lyrics for each of those songs, obviously Great Balls of Fire, they caught me. They caught my ear, and I was really really, really happy to be able to get those songs. But I gotta tell you, after listening to them, other than other than Great Balls of Fire, man, I got stuck with some pretty darn sad songs this time. <laughs> but all very, very good, very, very classic country songs, which fits all perfect on the album. Again, I didn't know Great Balls of Fire was country, but these other ones make perfect sense to me. I just think it's a phenomenal song. I agree. I I love this song, but I'm a huge Keith Whitley fan. So I really appreciate that he chose this and put it on the album. You guys don't understand when I was like, I don't know how old I was when he passed away, but I was probably like six or seven. I was very young. And I had this like magazine clipping from a country magazine that was a picture of Keith Whitley and Lori Morgan and their first baby when they brought their first baby home from the hospital. And when he died, I was devastated. I was this devastated little girl of this, you know, person who was famous who I'd never met, but I don't know why I loved him so much as a kid, but I did. And so pretty much anything that he sang, I think is amazing. And so I was really happy to see a Keith Willie song on here. Yeah. And I think this is a great song as well. I also noted that this was on this album, the fifth song that Garth also included on his old school CD in the Ultimate Collection. So I thought that was interesting that he cared for five of these songs enough to include them again. And they're great covers. All five of them are really good. So I can understand why he would do that. 
for me, what I like the most about this song is that it's an unusual perspective. I think in most relationships, women are usually the ones that are the least confident in the relationship. So to hear the lyrics of a song describe a man, you know, lacking that confidence or wondering if the woman is thinking of someone else, it's such a turn of relationship norms because normally it's the woman that's struggling with that. I like that about it. I like that it's got an interesting perspective. So it's a great song and he sings it so well. It really suits Garth's voice. I don't know the original as well. Like I think I kind of knew it, but this is just the version that I know better. And I just think it's a beautiful song and it's, ah, it's just such a great perspective and it's so heartfelt and the way he sings it is just beautiful. Yeah, he does do a do a real good job with that. So that is it for that song. We'll pass it over to Deb for song number 11. Yes, I have the final song on the album, and it is Jambalaya. Son of a gun, we'll have big fun on the bike. Get jambalaya, crawfish pie, filet gumbo. For tonight, I'm going to see my machines and me. The song Jambalaya was written and recorded by Hank Williams. It's funny when you go and look into this song, do some research on this song, how many covers there are of it. There is a ton of people that have covered this song. Even the Carpenters covered this song. And it was a new one just this year in 2020. A cover of this song was done by Little Big Town. So I thought that was cool. That's, you know, a Hank Williams song that everybody and their mother is recording. It's so good. And you can tell that Garth really gets into this song. Like he has so much fun. I think of probably all the songs on this album, he seems to have the most fun recording this one. I love it for my favorite thing listening to this song is when I'm doing housework. So if you haven't tried it yet, put this song on while you you do your housework and you'll get a lot of stuff done. Take my word for it. And I also thought it was funny that it's the second Cajun food song, or actually it was the first, but Garth now has two Cajun food songs because he's got Party Gras that comes yep. out on fun. And I just thought that was funny. He's I wonder how good of a cook is Trisha at cooking Cajun food? Is it like some specialty? <laughs> so those two songs really remind me of each other. Um, this Jambalaya song and Party Gras on fun. Can you imagine sitting in there and be like, man, what are we going to put on the album? Like, what, what's that final song to make it? I'm hungry. Anybody feel like Jambalaya? Oh, that's the song. And then bam, <laughs> there it becomes. But you're right. It does seem like Garth has a lot of fun doing this song on the album. I didn't know it. again wasn't one that I was very familiar with. And I kind of had to put myself into, okay, Garth's doing it. So how would Garth be doing it? I struggled with this one a little bit, but it is a fun song, real fun song on the album. I love this song. And to me, of course, it would go on country classics. It had to have a Hank Williams song. And this was the perfect one. But I mean, what kind of country classic album wouldn't have Hank Williams on it? Right. So this was perfect. And I love this song because it has that 
French Creole, like New Orleans feeling to it, which I am kind of enamored with anyway. I've never been to New Orleans. It's on my bucket list. But I just love this. It's fun. And you can always put it on and have a good time when it's playing. So I feel like it was a good choice. And it was it was his last song. So we know it probably is a favorite of his. Yep, I think it was perfect. Okay, so that wraps us up for this entire album. We did one whole album in one podcast episode. That is the Country Classics album from the Blame It All on My Roots box set. And now we'll go right into breaking news. Breaking news. So you probably already know, but in case you haven't heard, Garth's Fun album was released earlier this month on the 20th of November. So if you haven't gotten it, go out and get it. It's definitely worth it. He's got some fantastic duets on there. Of course, everybody knows Blake and Trisha. So go out and grab that album. It's fantastic and you will love it. And another little piece of news, uh, speaking of it being the end of November, Trisha came out recently and was talking about Garth's favorite Thanksgiving food. Turns out his favorite is mashed potatoes and gravy, which I think is hilarious because um, my husband David makes the best gravy on the planet. And so I'm just throwing it out there, Garth. I'm sure Trisha's is really, really good too. But if you want the best gravy on your mashed potatoes, you got to come on over to my house. Just send me an email. We'll set it up. You'll really, really think it's worth it. I promise. And now we're going to go over to Pete for shout outs. Shout outs. Yeah, on this episode for our shout outs, uh, we're going to go back a couple weeks to Catherine West and Penny Golden for sharing our post on Facebook. We really appreciate you guys taking the time to do that. When you guys share it, we get more exposure. The more exposure, the more fun and interaction we get to have with you fans. So we really do appreciate that. Yes. Thanks, everyone, so much. Thanks, guys. So just a reminder to visit our website at garthology.com and leave a comment or review. And there's also a special page that you can go to where you can submit show ideas if you have some ideas of something you'd like to hear us talk about. We'd be more than happy to do that. Don't forget to go to the bottom of our website where you can sign up for our newsletter so that you can get the latest breaking news from us. And be sure and subscribe, download, rate, and review on your podcast platform of choice, and share us with your friends in low places. Yes, and speaking of friends in low places, we got to talk about social media because that's where all of our friends seem to be these days. You can find us at facebook.com backslash GarthologyCast and on Instagram and Twitter at GarthologyCast. Anytime that you see a post from us there, if you could like it, share it, retweet it, that would definitely help us. The more eyes that get on the Garthology podcast, the more fun we have. So we appreciate you guys doing that. And for a special announcement, anyone who shares a post of ours on Instagram, shares a post of ours on Facebook, retweets one of our tweets, or leaves us a review on Apple, will be entered for a drawing. That drawing will take place on New Year's Eve, December 31st, and we will announce the winner of a special prize in our first podcast of the new year. 
So be sure and visit one of our social media accounts and share us with your friends and get entered for this very special drawing. Next time on Garthology, we're going to be looking at the first half of the Rope in the Wind album. I'm super excited for that. So make sure you come back and join us. And until then, this has been episode eight of Garthology. And I'm Deb. I'm Pete. And I'm Jess. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. We ended on a high note. Yep. Yeah, we got that part down now. Yeah, we do. I don't know about the hot mess in the middle, but...